In this Sikha, the Rebbe is going to be discussing a Rashi, first explaining all the details of the particular Rashi understanding in Pshutish Mikra. Then the Rebbe is going to discuss the general concept of the Egel and Aaron's association with it, both in Pshutish Mikra as well from a Halachic perspective. And finally, finishing off with the Indian in Yena Shal Torah. The Rebbe says that in this week's Parsha, the Torah tells us that Aaron says to the Bnei Yisrael, Parku Nizmei Hazov, you should take off your golden jewelry, bring it to me. They bring it to Aaron. He takes it from them. Vayotzar Oisoi Bacheret. We'll see in a minute what Rashi says about this. And he makes it into an Egel Masecha. Rashi explains Vayotzar Oisoi Bacheret. Could be explained in two ways. One is, Vayotzar is an expression of tying. And Bacheret would mean a type of cloth. As in the Posseg Vahamitpachois Vacharitim. Another Pasuk Rashi brings, Vayotzar kikrayim kesev b'shnei charitim, he tied two kikar of silver in two cloths. A second Pirish is, Vayotzar is Lashin Tzura, is actually, the meaning is making a form. And Bacheret is the tool that smiths use to make forms in gold, like a soifer, like a scribe that uses a pen and makes letters on tablets, on boards, as in the Pasuk, Becheret Enosh. And this is also what Uncles translates, Vitsar Yossi Bezifa, that he formed it with the Zifa, is an expression of forging, a tool that's used to engrave in gold letters and Shkedim. We'll see later in the Sikha what this word Shkedim means. Rashi also gives a French word for the term over here. And he says, and with this, seals are forged. So the Rebbe asks a number of questions. Number one, we know that whenever Rashi brings more than one pirush, there must be a problem with each pirush. And therefore he's bringing two pirushim. We also know that Rashi doesn't usually start off by telling us how many pirushim he's about to bring. And here he starts off by saying that there are two pirushim. The Rebbe also asks that usually Rashi would say something like V'yesh Oimrim or Dover Acher. Here Rashi starts off by saying Ho'echod, one pirush, and Asheni, the second pirush. We need to understand why Rashi does that. We also need to understand why Rashi brings two psukim for the pirush of saying that Vayatzar Bacheret means that he tied it in a cloth. And especially that he brings them in the opposite order of the way they appear in Tanakh, bringing a posuk from Yeshaya before a posuk in Mulachim. The Rebbe also asks that seemingly the word Vayotzar, meaning tying, we had already in Chumash previously, in Psukim, um, in Parshas Miketz, we have Tzeroyer Kaspoy, where Rashi translates over there already, Kesher Kaspoy, a bundle of money. In Parshas Boy, we had Tzeroyer Bisim Loisam, so why does Rashi suddenly find a need to look for an explanation for the word Vayotzar and bringing these Psukim from Tanakh? And finally, the Rebbe asks the whole continuation, Ka'id Soifer, like a scribe that writes with a pen, all the way to the end, with along with the proof from Targumunklos, all seems to be extra and unnecessary. In order to explain this, the Rebbe says, the reason why Rashi cannot bring the Psukim from Chumash is because in those Psukim, the words Saroir and Sururis are both with two rages, and whereas Vayotzar over here is with one rage. And therefore, we don't have a proof that it actually means the same thing, which is an expression of tying. And therefore, Rashi also cannot bring immediately the posuk from Melochim, which is the earlier posuk in Tanakh, where it says, Vayotzar kikrayim kesev b'shnei charitim, 
which we would translate now as he tied the two um, silver kikar in the charitim in the cloth, because we don't yet know even what that word charitim means, in order to prove that vayotzar means tying. And therefore, Rashi first needs to bring a pasuk from later in Tanachva mitbuchos vacharitim from where we see mitbuchos is cloths or scarves, and charitim is a similar word, so we understand that it means something like a cloth. And then, when we have in another pasuk vayotzar together with charitim, we understand that he's tying those cloths. From there, we can apply it back to our pasuk that Aaron is tying these golden jewelry in the cloths. However, the problem over here is, if that's the case, it sounds like Aaron did not make the eagle. Aaron just puts the jewelry in the cloth. So then when the pastor continues, who is this referring to? It seems not to flow with the beginning of the Pasuk. It sounds not like somebody else is making the Ego Masecha, whether it's the Erev Rav, whether it's Micha. So it sounds like the beginning of the Pasuk is speaking about Aaron, and then the end of the Pasuk is speaking about somebody, someone else, where the Pasuk doesn't even specify, and it seems that the Pasuk doesn't flow. And therefore, Ashi has another Pirish, which according to this, the whole Pasuk is referring to Aaron. Vayatzar is an expression of making a form, making a shape. Aaron actually goes ahead and is um, engraving or shaping and forming on the gold itself. And according to this, both parts of the Pasuk are referring to Aaron because he is the one shaping and forming it, and therefore he's also the one to make the eagle. The only problem with this Pirush then is, is because we know from later in Chumash, when Aaron is speaking to Moshe, he says, I threw the gold into the fire, it sounds like he did not actually shape and form the eagle, again, unless we're going to say that the Pasuk is missing something over there, and not being completely full in the story, and therefore, Rashi also needs the first Pirush, which in the first Pirush, it would fit more with that later Pasuk, that Aaron himself actually did not make the eagle. And based on this, the Rebbe says, we can now understand why Rashi gives the introduction by saying there are two Pirushim to indicate that these two Pirushim are equal. There's no advantage in one Pasuk, in one Pirush over the other. Each of them have a similar advantage or disadvantage, meaning whether the flow of the Pasuk fits in completely with the context of how the story is being told. And this is also why Rashi goes ahead and says, in the Pirushim, he says, Ha'echod, one Pirush is an Hasheni, the second Pirush, trying to indicate that we're not speaking about one that's better or first over the other. Rather, as far as how good they are in Pshut Mikra, each one of these two Pirushim fit very well. The only question still remaining in this second Pirush, regarding if we're saying that Cheret means this type of tool with which you're making forms. The problem is that with the Pasuk we have regarding such a thing as which sounds like you use it to write things, not to make shapes and forms. And therefore Rashi explains the Pasuk and he, and he brings it and he says that it's not actually referring to the pet, to the tool itself. Rather it's referring to the type of thing that's being done with it. In other words, that we are using it to make some sort of shapes or forms, which could apply both to the Indian of Oisius of making letters, as well as to designing and making shapes and forms. And in order to prove this, Rashi goes ahead. First of all, brings the Pasuk, Uksoiv Olav, Becheret Enosh, in other words, the word Enosh implying over here, it's just a person's type of tool, meaning not necessarily a specific craftsman, but it's used for any type of thing which with, with which we're going to shape or form, whether it's designs or letters. And then Rashi also goes ahead and brings the proof from Targum Unklos, 
which says that this is an expression of zeal, forging with gold, letters and shkedim. And the Rebbe explains that the word shkedim of it does not mean almonds, like some people make a mistake, but shkedim rather means any sorts of shapes or forms, similar to what we had in Rashi regarding the Menorah, where it says shloisha gvim mishu kodim. And this is what the, the Rebbe is explaining, that this is why the Targum Unkos is brought to go ahead and show that this is something that can be used for, for forging, whether it's letters, in, in, so it's words, or shapes and forms, etc., etc. However, the Rebbe asks, according to the second Pirush, that Arin is actually the one that goes ahead and makes the eagle. It's completely not understood that seemingly we know from even from the Pashtab Shat of the Psukum the great holiness of Aaron and the Tzitkus of Aaron. How does it make sense that Aaron himself could go ahead and shape and form the Egel Vayaseu, Egel Masechet, to make an Indian of Avedizorah? So the Rebbe says we're going to explain this based on what we can really ask regarding all of Bnei Yisroel. Just a short time before the Zister, just in front of Hashem and Har Sinai, listening to the Aser Sadibrois, including Anoichi Hashem and the Kachon, etc., they saw the Koilois coming from all four sides and from the Shamayim and the Oretz. How is it possible that after all these revelations, it should enter their mind to do Avoidezara? And even though it's true that the Satan came and confused the world and showed them all the darkness and the Moshe Rabbeinu passed away, etc., still it's hard to understand that they should come to such a great descent from such a great high extreme to such a low extreme to go and serve Avedizara. And we have to say that even according to Pshutish Mikra, this the matter is understood to the extent that Rashi doesn't even have to explain it. So the Rebbe explains that the Pasuk says, Vayaram, the people saw the Kivoshish Moshe, the Moshe's delaying from coming down. That's when they said, because, make for us Elikim, because Moshe, the person that took us out of Mitzrayim, we don't know what happened to him. In other words, they didn't actually ask for Avodah Zorah, rather they're asking for, in other words, they're not asking for something instead of Hashem, rather they're asking for something instead of Moshe. And that's why they say, because Moshe is being delayed from coming down, that's what they saw. And even though it says, Aseilon Elikim, it doesn't mean a, a God, Rather, they themselves say, they're asking for someone that will be able to go in, in front of them instead of Moshe, because Moshe that took us out of Mitzrayim, we don't know what happened to him. And as Rashi says, that Asher HaElon, meaning he is the one that showed us the way to go, so now we need something else to go in front of us. And even though they use the term Elikim, it doesn't mean a God, rather as in the Psukim, that Moshe Rabbeinu is saying that, he is, that you are going to be, as Rashi explains over there, as a master um, over Aaron, or Nesatich Elikim Lofaroi, a judge over Paroi. The only problem is that even though this is maybe what the Yidin intended, unfortunately some Yidin got dragged in afterwards and took it as an Avodah in the literal sense, and therefore it was punishable by death. Now, even though you could come along and argue that even for such a thing, how is it possible for them to think that the eagle is going to be their guide and be their sar, be their boss like Moshe was, like Ishalikim, regarding whom it says, that I'm standing between Hashem and you. However, the Rebbe says you cannot compare this to the mistake of thinking that they would have wanted a, a different God, and that's what the eagle should be. Because in this area of having someone instead of Moshe Rabbeinu, in other words, thinking that something could be between them and Hashem, for this there was some room to make a mistake, because when the Abish just had to make the Mishkan, the idea of the Mishkan is that the Shekhinah should dwell in Bnei Yisrael, what do we see over there? That in the Mishkan there was the Oroin and the Kruvim, and as the Abish just says, I'll speak to you from between the Kruvim. In other words, they could have mistakenly think this idea that the Kruvim is a concept of having some intermediary between the Yidin and Hashem. 
especially based on what the Pasuk says, You shouldn't make for me gods of silver and gold. And Rashi explains that it refers to the Kruvim. And Rashi says also a similar thing that you shouldn't go ahead and make Kruvim in Shuls and Abati Medrash, similar to the way in the Beit Hamikdash. Why would someone think of making Kruvim? So the idea is based on this we can understand because they they may have thought that the Kruvim are chas v'shalom like some sort of intermediary between the Yidden and the Eibishter. And therefore they may think to do something like this in a Beisach Nessus as well. And therefore the Pesach has to come and warn not to do this. So in our case before the Yidden were actually commanded not to make these kind of things not to make these Kruvim and Shuls etc. And they didn't know yet of this concept they are not allowed to make an intermediary between the Abishter and the Yidin. So therefore at this point, the Yidin thought that this eagle perhaps could be like this sort of intermediary instead of Moshe Rabbeinu. And this could also answer how it's possible that Aaron helped him along and made the eagle. The Rebbe says, as we, could answer, we could say that this is also why Rashi brings the Pasuk, save all of Beit Enoish, what is the word Enosh that he brings? Because we know the Rambam says that it was in the times of Enosh that the, that the people originally made the mistake and Enosh himself was part of those that made the mistake. And they thought that since Hashem created the stars and the spheres, etc. to run the world, they think that this is the, then they thought it was appropriate to praise them and to give them glory and honor. In other words, their mistake was that they considered these things as an intermediary that has some sort of free choice. Even though in truth, all of these things, the sun, the moon, and the stars, are only like a, a like an axe in the hand of the woodchopper. Similarly, over here, this is why Rashi brings the word Enoish. In other words, they thought that the eagle could be an intermediary. But from this came down the chait of Avedizor in the literal sense by a number of Yidin. In other words, to actually consider this intermediary as if it has any sort of substance and has any sort of free choice. And this is what Rashi is hinting with the word Enosh, that it was similar to the sin of Enosh in his generation. The Rebbe says, we could also go ahead now and explain this according to the Derech HaLocha. How it's possible that Aaron was over Chasr Shalman and Isra Avedizor. To explain this, the Rebbe says, we find it says clearly in the Apostle that Aaron said to the Yidden, take off the jewelry of gold and bring it to me. So he only says he should bring it to him, not that they should give it to him. In other words, he is expressing his, his opinion that he's not interested in being kind and acquiring the gold that it should ever become his, and therefore it never became his. And because a person cannot acquire something against his will, and especially that they said to start with, I say, make it for us. In other words, the gold remains theirs and never became his. Now we know a rule in Allah, a person can never asser, a person can never make us or something that does not belong to him. So in other words, whatever Ari did never made this gold, Osir, never made it into an Avoy de because it never belonged to him, and therefore he himself was never over on the issue of Avoy de of having anything to do with the Avoy de However, the Rebbe asks a question on this, and the Rebbe says, the Gemara tells us, on the Pasuk, when you come into Eretz Yisrael, you have to burn down the trees of Avoy de So the Gemara asks that, one second, these, all, all of the things in Eretz Yisrael was a Yerusha, from that he didn't have a Yerusha from the others, in other words, all, all belonged to Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. When the Goyim came along and served them as Avedizara, seemingly they should apply this concept that you cannot ask or you can't make us or something that doesn't belong to you. So how were the Goyim able to make these Asheris and all of these things us or? So seemingly it should have never been us or you shouldn't have to destroy it. 
So the Gemara answers that since the Yidden themselves ser- served Egel, in that way they were Megaladas, they're revealing that they're interested in Avodah to some extent. So when Goyim are coming and serving the Avodah in a certain way, they're acting on behalf of the Yidden. So then the Gemara asks, maybe the Yidin were only happy with the Egel, but not in other sorts of Avedizoros. And then the Gemara says, but since the Yidin said, And it's from here we understand that they wanted lots of different gods. So but what do we understand from this whole Gemara? That since the once the Yidin revealed that they're interested in Avedizoros through the Egel, so then even someone that it's not his, like in the case of the Goyim and Eretz Yisrael, it's not theirs. But they could assert these things as Avaidazara. So seemingly over here also, Aaron, even though it wasn't his, Lachairi is assuring. He is prohibiting immediately the gold and the eagle, even though it's not his. Even though, yes, it's before they said, but seemingly, once they said it, they were Megaladas. They revealed that they were interested in Avaidazara. And then seemingly, as soon as he dealt with this gold in Avaidazara, seemingly he did make it into Avaidazara, even though it wasn't his. So the Rebbe explains this based on what says in the Rambam. A yid, if a Yid set up a brick to bow down to it, and he didn't bow down to it, but a Goy came along then and bowed down to it, it's already Osurbano, because by setting it up, by the Yid setting it up, he did an action. The Rebbe asks a question, seemingly, why does he say by setting it up he did an action? Seemingly the source of the Rambam is in this same Gemara that we discussed, the, the Gemara says that the reason why it's Osurbano is because he was Megala Das. He is revealing his Das, his opinion that he's happy with Avay And when the guy comes out and serves Avay he's like acting on behalf of the Yid. So if the point of setting up the brick is that the Yid is being Megala Das, showing that he's interested in Avay why does the Rambam have to say that he did a Maisa, that he did an action? Furthermore, this same Svara, that the Gilui Das itself is enough, it seems to be this is the main point of the Gemara, that it's Dafka because of the Gilui Das and not because of the action. So if that's the case, why does the Rambam say that it's because of the action? So the Rebbe says that the source of the Rambam is from the same Gemara that we were discussing before. What does the Gemara say? That since the Yidin served the Egel, they revealed their Das, that they're interested in Avay if we would say that Gili Das itself is enough without an action, so why don't we just quote the Pasuk when they said, Asay Lonu, they asked for Avoidazara. Why does we have to say? Because they served the Avoidazara. So from this, the Rebbe says the proof is that the Gili Das has to be also along with an action. It has to be that they actually did something, not only expressing their desire to serve Avoidazara. And this is why the Gemara says, once they even served Avoidazara, they revealed their opinion that they're happy with Avoidazara. And even though the Gemara itself says that they said Eila Lekech Yisrael, so it seems to be that it had to be also to do with the fact that they said it, it doesn't mean that the wording itself is what, it was Megalad Der Das, the wording itself is what creates this idea. Rather, when they are saying Eila Lekech Yisrael, they are interpreting the action that they had done, but it's really mainly the action itself. So says the Rebbe, based on this we can also understand the concept of the Gemara says over there that if a person set up an egg to bow down to it and he didn't bow down to it and a guy came down and bowed to it, what's the Allah? Is it us or not? Do we say that by a brick it's very noticeable that it was set up, but by an egg it's not so noticeable or we don't say that? But the Rebbe asks a question, if the main thing is the Gili Daz, just that you're expressing your opinion that you're happy with Avedizara, who cares how noticeable it is? 
Furthermore, Dacharinim asked, the Gemara seemingly said clearly that it's about the saying that the Yidin said, Yisrael. that itself is enough of revealing that this is what they want. So surely if he actually set up an egg, surely it should be considered a gilidas, it should be already an expression of interest in the Avodah Zara. so what's the doubt? But based on what we said before, it's understood that the question of the Gemara is... That since the whole idea is really, it's about a maisa that's needed, an actual action, it's just the wording of the Eden come along with it to really express what the action is all about. If that's the case, the question is, to what extent the action has to be, as it does have to be a very strong action that's noticeable, as in the case of the Levain, as in the case of the brick, or is the egg, even though it's not as noticeable, also considered an action. So based on this, do we understand that only after a gilidas that comes with a maisa, that comes along together with an action, that's what gives a power to, for somebody else to make us, or even something that's not his, because there was an action of Avoid Zara by the other person. We can understand over here the Mitzad Adin, Aaron, there was no way he was able to Asser, who was able to Asser the Eagle, since it wasn't his, because at the time when he did it, they had not served the Eagle yet, they hadn't done anything yet, and without the action, so just the Gilidas, just because they said they're interested in Avoid Zara, isn't enough for Aaron to be able to make us or something that doesn't belong to him. Rebbe says there's another point. The Rambam says that the reason why why a person cannot ask for something that doesn't belong to him, because we assume that his kavana is only to be mitzar, to hurt the other person, to get the other person in trouble, so to speak. So in this case, the Rebbe says, even a gilui das wouldn't help that we should say that because of this, the kavana is l'isur, because a gilui das only helps that you could make something usur. In other words, that shouldn't be holding back from the other person, from the balabais. But we're saying he definitely did not have kavana to make it usher. So in our case, it definitely didn't help the gilidas of the Bnei Yisrael that they're interested in the Egel because Aaron's kavana definitely wasn't Le'isur. Because he said clearly, Chag Hashem, Lord, he wants to celebrate to the Eibishter and so on. In addition to this, even by the Yidden, there wasn't a proper gilidas. Because when they said, I say, it was only because they made a mistake, thinking that Moshe Rabbeinu, we don't know what happened to him. So if that's the case, it's almost like conditional that if they would have known what happened to Moshe, of course, they wouldn't be interested in the eagle. To put it a little bit differently, the reason why Israel could happen is because he's saying that he's doing it as if on their behalf. But definitely, Aaron is not interested in doing anything on their behalf and causing the Israel to be. However, the Rebbe says, there's still a bit of a problem, mitzad the Indian of Lufna Iverly, Situ in that seemingly nevertheless, bottom line is that somehow, he is causing, in some way, that they should do the Avera. But the Rebbe says, this could be answered simply, that this Isur of Lufna Iverly, Situ in not to put a stumbling block before a blind person, the Yidin got this Isur, this Isur only much, much later, and therefore, at the time of the eagle, this was not considered an Isur. Nevertheless, the Rebbe is not completely satisfied with this because we see the Moshe Rabbeinu argues to Aaron and says, what do these people do to you? Why did you have to do this to them? Etc., etc. The Rebbe then concludes the Sikha by speak, say, explaining something in Yenishol Torah in our Rashi. Something deeper on a deeper level of Yichsid. It's explained in a number of places. The Rebbe says that the whole concept of a Chait, the whole concept of an Avera, and especially such a big Avedah like Avedah Zorah is, comes from the fact that Bedak was the Daks on some sort of level. There's a source for this Indian in Kedusha. 
the source for Kedusha, some, so to speak, the root where such an Indian of Avedis Zara could even come about, a separation from Achdus Hashem, is coming from a division within Torah itself. In other words, when you have a situation when one thing could be explained in two different ways, or even, as we say, there are 70 Panam Torah, 70 facets to the Torah, and Kisfi it says that the 600,000 Purushim and every Indian in Torah, from this, there comes down, from so many Purushim and Torah, there comes down an ability, some leaving room for a separation from Achdus Hashem. It doesn't mean chas v'shalom that this idea on its own allows there to be a chet of avedizara chas v'shalom because Torah is, is the will and wisdom of Hashem and it's one with Hashem. And that Hashem and his chachmar one. And just like the Abish is absolutely one, the same thing is Torah in all of its parts, that it's all a complete achdus, but rather what it means is that because there's a number of purushim and Torah, to the person the ability was given, a person that's learning this, there's now some room that he could deviate a little bit while he's learning and he could start deviating from a feeling of absolute achdus and start feeling as if there's some sort of division and that leaves room after many, many levels for an Aveira of even Aveira This is similar to what the Razal say on the Pasuk, Nasa Odom, the Abish just says, let us make man. When Moshe Rabbeinu came to this Pasuk, he said, Why are you giving any room for the heretics? So he says, you write, and anybody that wants to make a mistake should make a mistake. In other words, that when the Abishta writes this thing in Torah, something that allows for seemingly multiplicity, this gives some room to make a mistake, that as if there's chas v'shalom, more than one power. But on the other hand, even in the same Ayman Razal, it's emphasized that it's not the pshat that Torah itself on its own is allowing room for, mis- for a mistake. Rather, the mistake is coming from the person, the person who's interested in making a mistake. As a diuk of Chazal and their expression, some of the ones to make a mistake will make a mistake. If we would say what seems seemingly, the Abishta is telling him and saying, you just write, doesn't matter what people are going to say, we're not worried about any mistakes, then what does it mean? Some of the wants to make a mistake. But rather what it means is that on its own, this mistake can never happen as it, from Torah itself. Rather, it's coming from the person. Some of the wants to make a mistake will make a mistake. And this is what Rashi is hinting to back to our original Rashi. We can explain it in two ways. In other words, what he's saying is the ability that there should be any sort of a about which we're discussing. That happens, you know why? Because yesh letargami, because in Torah something can be interpreted in two ways. Rashi doesn't say yesh boy, it has two, two faces, two facets. Because on, on, in, really in reality, all Pirushim and Torah, even with this two Pirushim and Torah, there's no room for separation as we said before. But rather, it's coming from the person that could translate it according to his grasp in two ways and therefore he could deviate from the Achtos HaPshut HaShem Torah and from that could come down to lower and lower to Yenav Litzlan. Says that ever based on this is very, very geschmack, three expressions and the order in Rashi. We have in this Rashi that we're discussing the whole time, it says, Yeshel Targumim In the next Dibra Maskal, in the next Rashi, Rashi also brings two points. And there Rashi says, V'yesh Oimrim. In the third Rashi, Rashi says again two points, and the second, and then, and there he introduces it with Dover Akar. So the Rebbe is explaining that here is hinted the Seder Ayiri, the order of how there is a descent that comes. Through separation, it starts off with Yesh Targum Bishnei Ponim. In other words, when a person doesn't feel properly the Achdus and Torah, and he is translating it in two ways. From that comes stage number two, Yesh Oimrim, that the person starts feeling himself as a Yesh. In other words, a whole separate existence that could say different things until eventually becoming completely separated from Alikos, and that's what Dover Acher means. In other words, completely separated. Uh, Inyan of Avedizara says the Rebbe. This is also the Rebbe of the two Pirushim Rashi. 
after Rashi says that it can be translated in two ways. So Rashi first gives a pirush about the gold being tied in a, in a, in a handkerchief and a cloth. In other words, they have a union of gold that's tied in a cloth for itself, is becoming a metzius for itself. He's considering the gold. As koichi vayitzim yodi, it's something that I could achieve on my own, a separate metzius. Then from that comes the second period that he actually forms and shapes the eagle bapoil. In other words, that he feels himself completely separate, as we said before. And the point of all of this is all happening as a result of a lack of Kabbalah so Malchashamayim. Because if a person would have that perfectly, then also in Torah he would feel the absolute Achdus, and this is what Rashi hints to in a Rashi. In Rashi, before this Yashla Targum in the previous Rashi, Rashi says on the word Vayisparko that he took off. And the gold, so Rashi says, it's lost in Prikasmasa, it's an expression of taking off a load, unburdening a load. So the Rebbe explains that the deeper meaning of this is that they consider Torah Mitzvah as a burden, and therefore they throw off this yoke. If that happens, then suddenly Chas Vesholim, we can start translating Torah in different ways, and then to all the other descents. However, when a person has the Amun and Kabbalah so perfectly, that he doesn't come to start this whole descent, and therefore we find that the women and the children didn't give the gold for, uh, for the eagle, because by them the Amunah was completely strong all the time, and therefore there's no room for them by the Zorah, and we it's also understood that through the strengthening of the Amunah and Kabbalah soil, which in both of these things there's no room for any sort of division, so through this, even when your person learns Torah, which has a number of different pirushim, he feels even in this halkos the absolute truth of the achdus apshutah.